All right, I have the distinct pleasure of having Dr. Luckhurst. You might know him from defining the pre-Caritic era, but we are going to talk about something totally different, although I hope Corridors sneak into this conversation. We're going to talk about pop culture and zombies. Uh, I did a whole uh, whole show on voodoo, uh, the history of voodoo and Haitian cu- culture and, and zombies in, in that respect. But we're going to kind of talk about the pop culture. That's really where your expertise lies, isn't that right? Yeah, sure. So I, I, I wrote a book, a kind of history of um, how it was that we are now completely surrounded by zombies, tracing it all the way back to Haiti and a little bit further as well. So now, how did you get into to zombies? Because you do kind of horror movie reviews. Um, you're on a couple different shows doing that. Why did you pick zombies for this book? Um, well, it was partly because um, of, there's a very kind of famous phrase that, that says the only um, successful monster of the 20th century that's been invented from scratch is the zombie. Uh, and I think, you know, people tend to uh, see it as the trashiest of trash culture, really. So even if you work on um, gothic literature in uh, the academy, which is quite a respectable thing to do these days, um, you're not really going to be caught dead watching uh, Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> uh, so that's so that's sort of uh, or caught undead. Uh-huh. Um, so that's a sense of, um, of of this is really the lowest of the low. And I kind of kept getting that kind of tone. Uh, from people that I was talking to and I was kind of interested about you know what's acceptable what's not you know uh, nice kind of um, vampires are vaguely aristocratic mummies are very aristocratic uh, by definition oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. but, but zombies are kind of you know the horde the mass the kind of indistinguished um, uh, and undistinguished um, people the, the, they're basically us and maybe that's why you know, they have this sort of slightly trashier, lower reputation. So I was interested in kind of uh, our sort of cultural taste about those sorts of things. Now, where do you so where do you put Frankenstein's monster on that list? Because he's, you know, obviously Mary Shelley, great, great author, considered one of one of the classics. Uh, but he's essentially a zombie, right? I mean, he just you know, he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a, he's a, a zombie created by science instead of religion. So where does he fall in that category? Well, I think the so so the the word zombie I think doesn't enter the English language until uh, the eighteen eighties, uh, and it comes through travel writing in the Caribbean, uh, through the very brilliant and fascinating journalist Lafcadio Hearn, uh, and he hears this word and tries to kind of get to grips of what it might mean. So I think before that, certainly the word you know occasionally pops up, but not in a way that we would understand it as this kind of shuffling. Uh, undead creature so i think you know there's a very specific sense in which the frankenstein monster is to do with uh, particular um, electrical experiments in the 1800s early 19th century which mary shelley and percy shelley were very interested in they'd seen um, electricity animate a kind of dead or apparently dead body uh, in london and there were people who were writing a about uh, vitalism and life itself. So this idea of, um, uh, of of animating a corpse is is in a very different kind of set of religious and um, scientific concerns for Mary Shelley in 1819 than it is uh, for us thinking about zombies. You know, I, I think that that's a great distinction because 
You know, it's if I may get pedantic on you for a second, may we kind of switch roles? So one of the things mm-hmm. that always annoyed me categorically is the word zombie because – you know, it, right. it's, these aren't the zombies we know. These flesh-eating ghouls—they're really ghouls. They're not really zombies at all. Right. And zombie—the word mm-hmm. zombie—is really about kind of a captured life force. You know, it's not quite a ghost. It's not—you know—it's—it's—it's it's, it's more along that kind of spiritual. That's what a zombie is. A zombie is not something that's going to eat dead flesh or, or living flesh or whatever. So that always kind of bothers me because I think there's a huge switch, and maybe it's—I think it's Night of the Living Dead that kind of in the pop culture kind of makes that switch for the masses let's say i you know i don't know if that's correct or not okay but i feel like that's the really the first time we hear zombie uh you know it, it's that's kind of the thing that that, that kind of annoys me about it but it, because <laughs> I, it, it bothers me dr luckhurst it bothers me yeah um, sure, but, but sure. when we talk yeah, about well, those I, types of let's just say reanimated um bodies what i like about the quote-unquote zombie kind of world is that there are there are several different types. One is, you know, mad scientist kind of a thing. So you got like you got your Dr. Frankenstein. There's also H.P. Lovecraft did the reanimator, which is a mm-hmm. chemical. You know, it's kind of chemical radiation. You know, the, all these kind of exist in the modern era as well. There's demonic sure. rituals where you're kind of bringing, you know, something is possessing the dead body to kind of walk around. And then you have voodoo, which is magic bringing something you know, back to life. So there's actually several different ways in the pop culture that we reanimate dead bodies. We're, we're very, you know, kind of ingenious in, in that kind of inventive and in how we bring the dead back to life. Um, but where did this all kind of start in, in, in pop culture, um, this idea of bringing something back to life uh, to, to murder us all? Well, okay. Um, well, I, first of all, I should say I really admire your pedantry because I think that's it's very, very, it's very, very important. <laughs> How they do? <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's pretty good. Thank uh, you. I liked it, and that's a sense of, um, of of a difference between. I mean, it is a really interesting question about why zombie um, flies and why ghoul doesn't. Uh-huh. Right. And I think the or- the origins there are really important. So, okay. zombie is definitely a term that arrives out of the Caribbean and out of slavery, whereas ghoul is a North African uh, idea. It's a particular spirit that hovers around uh, cemeteries and is basically a lesson about not being too melancholic, you know, not spending too much time with the dead. Otherwise, the spirits will attach to you. Now, there's a reason why I think in America that doesn't fly, and that's to do always with empire. Um, So it's very important that that we understand that zombies, uh, in in a sense, they they really do uh, cause a contagion, um, but, but in our ideas, because America occupied Haiti from 1915 to 1930s uh, and they spent a lot of time the, the military there trying to stamp out superstition and trying to stop voodoo and so on and and, and it failed and in a sense they brought it home with them this kind of idea of, of, of this undead thing that won't stop um, so I think it plays very well in America because in a sense it's a secret history of colonial violence that's what the kind of zombie is so I think there's something very important there in terms of um, uh, of how the undead, um, how we kind of are fascinated by this. I mean, I think there, there, there is, you know, you, you've kind of outlined lots of different ways in which the zombie works. It's almost as if there aren't any rules. Um, and that's because I think it's it's this incredibly mobile metaphor. So the kind of first uh, sense of um, transgression is between the barrier between life and death. 
It's why Frankenstein is so important. It's why um, Count Dracula, vampirism, all those sorts of ideas are, are, are also managing our anxieties about life and death. And then I think it starts to be about zombies really actually in the 1950s. So people often talk about the huge influence of Night of the Living Dead, which is 1968. But actually, um, Romero is picking up on ideas that were in cinema uh, earlier than that. And my um, particular pet theory is that in a way it's about, it's actually about the post-war experience uh, of American soldiers returning um, from various wars, the Second World War, so finishing in 1945, but also particularly the Korean War. And there was a sense of um, of complete horror uh, amongst the American uh, troops in Korea because of the tactics that had um, been adopted by the Chinese, which was to send what they called hordes, just to simply walk towards the front line of, of American soldiers and overwhelm them. Um, they weren't armed. They weren't, weren't armed with guns anyway. It was, it was a really kind of horrifying, um, overwhelming kind of sense. And it completely bewildered uh, the American um, forces initially in that war. And that sort of sense, I think, of a memory of these hordes kind of coming and coming and coming is something I think that's locked in the 1950s. And you do begin to see that image in early um, zombie cinema in the 40s and the, and the 50s as well. So I think that is what uh, is beginning to motor this idea that actually zombies are not individuals, but are the mass, the horde of, of the undead coming back. That's a fascinating distinction as well, because we're now we're breaking it down by single versus group. And I like that because... You know, in in your book, Zombies, A Cultural History, you talk about White Zombie, 1932. 32, yeah. Uh, and it's really about, you know, there, there's obviously lots of, you know, there's lots of cultural and racial things going on in that, you know, depending on, you know, what what, what you what the, the thought was at the time. Um, but when you look at it, you know, in retrospect, what's interesting about that is it focuses on, you know, sub, uh, kind of like taking one person and you know making them a captive you know like it's it's sure. it's it's one person you're you're using this power to kind of make them the slave um you know the zombie cuz zombies are essentially were used as slave workers you know like that's right. kind of they were kind of people who were captured kidnapped and kind of coerced into into the cane fields to kind of work you know as as slaves mm. for the for the voodoo master uh the hundun and and so it's it's interesting that you start out with that capturing one person and then they kind of become weaponized, you know. So th the magic is weaponized first to kind of take over one person. Mm -hmm. But then that one person is weaponized into a horde and then you have this kind of overrun mentality, which is kind of where we are now. Mm -hmm. You look at movies like World War Z, you know, there's just m m pile, like piles and piles of, of these creatures are everywhere. And so that's when it really becomes terrifying because one is fine, but if they're slow moving and, you know, you can kind of take one out pretty easily. Um, but you, Horde is, is pretty is pretty terrifying. So that's a very interesting switch. I didn't really think about that, but that's there's definitely something that happens in the pop culture. Where that goes yeah, on. that's what I, th I think. That's the that, that's how you can see cultural ideas changing. So you know, it's coming from a very particular conception of magic uh, and control in Haiti. So it is, as you say, it's definitely about 
a voodoo master and their slave. And when it tra first translates uh, to the first ever film uh, in America, White Zombie 1932, you have the zombie master and his six or so slaves. This is not particularly right. terrifying. Um, right. And in fact, you know, it's Bella Lugosi who's just played Dracula, who's, you know, and right. it's, it's the same idea, you know, a mesmeric control over a small group of individuals. Um, but there's something that happens uh, that transforms from that original idea that turns it into a mass phenomenon, and that is definitely post-1945. And it's no longer about Haiti at that point, or no longer simply about that original idea. Something has happened in America in mass culture to talk about um, zombies now as a horde or as a mass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting because it's like, you know, the, the, the fear comes from, well, this, this, this magical person is using these abilities that I don't have any logical understanding of. And that's where the fear comes in. Will he do that to me? He or she do that to me? Uh, so that's where it comes from. And then the other one is, well, what will these monsters then do to me? <laughs> you know, right. it's like, right. it's just interesting when you start shifting what is what we're afraid of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there is still a continuing kind of debate about whether there is some physiological basis for the existence of zombies in Haitian culture. Um, so even into the 1980s, people were arguing that maybe there was a particular um, poison that was being used uh, that could um, seem to make people die. And then, you know, the evil masters would kind of go into the um, cemetery after the burial and would revive this monster with an antidote. So there is kind of a lot of that still going on. And you get anthropologists, actually, who still firmly believe that. Um, but actually, in the pop culture, um, it's not really about that form of rational uh, or scientific control, because quite often, uh, and you get this in Romero all the time, it's a very casual throwaway thing. Oh, probably it was um, something happened that, that was beamed from Venus, or right, maybe right, it right. was, you know, this <laughs> contagion over here, that It doesn't really matter what its basis is. It's about the sudden transformation of everyone else into this kind of, you know, ravenous cannibal um who's who's after your brain right you know i think that's true i do want to mention that you just reminded me um just to put another category in there biological is the other category whether sure. it's you know yeah. whether it's viruses or whatever and you know it's funny i don't know and correct me if i'm wrong here so the, the fear in most of these horror movies especially in zombie movies comes from the creature kind of will this thing eat me alive you know, or will this horde kind of tear me limb from limb? There isn't so much this dread or angst or fear of will the contagion get me, you know? And because most of the heroes like in zombie movies are just miraculously immune to the thing, you know, and that's kind of that's the throwaway. It's like, ah, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're immune. We're the ones who are going to help save the world or whatever. But I would I would actually love this, uh, you know, something. How do people avoid, you know, getting sick or how to you know what I mean? Like like that would be kind yeah. of because that seems a little more realistic. Like if you were to really, you know, release, a, um, you know, a zombie virus into the world that was spread by people coughing you know, or sneezing. Right, right. Yeah, I'm already giving people dirty looks when they sneeze in public anyway. <laughs> you know, but now yeah. there's an added, you know, an added fear factor to that. We don't really see that in movies and pop culture, or am I wrong? Well, I think there is a, there is a kind of fear of, um, I mean, the, the, the thing about the zombie film is that uh, it just takes one bite, right? So you don't yeah. actually have to be kind of devoured and pulled apart. And, uh, <laughs> 
and unless you know unless you're a particularly yeah. unwelcome character you know it always happens sure. to someone yeah, yeah, always fair. happens to someone but not necessarily you that kind of moment of engulfment so the fear in a sense is just this kind of almost like brush or bite that that gives you this kind of um, disease and in a sense it's about quite a lot of things say like the walking dead is a good example i mean the whole of the first series is about trying to get to cdc in order to try and find an antidote and the horrifying thing when you get there is of course that we find that cdc was overtaken and maybe was the origin of this in the first place anyway right right so this sort of sense of 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 our belief in rational scientific kind of control uh is the thing that goes and i think this might be partly that sort of change towards viruses and contagion is because we know that we're living on borrowed time. Um, Every 70 years, um, the influenza virus mutates enough to cause absolute catastrophe, except we've stopped the latest one by about 20 or 30 years through the use of penicillin. So, after immediately after the first world war uh, first world war was bad enough you know but in 1918 and 1919 tens of millions of people around the world died of influenza because it had mutated uh, to a certain kind of point 20 years later um, penicillin is invented and actually that's that those idea of antibiotics have really kind of controlled and, con- and contained those sorts of outbreaks but we know if you you know you read the medical press or whatever um, those antibiotics, we're overusing them. We're becoming um, the, the, the viruses are becoming slightly immune to them. There are break there are breakthroughs of different kind of uh, influenza viruses. So the Asian flu virus was a kind of classic case that looked like it might be a major transfer from one species to another. Um, constantly uh, in the news, you're hearing that. Um, there are the superbugs that are resistant to antibiotics. We are on borrowed time. So this is a sense of, um, of, of an outbreak that might become global, that might completely consume us because we are now a global uh, community. We can't control these kind of, you know, that, that, the way that you could set up quarantines and so on in, in, in previous centuries. If it happens, it's going to happen around the globe really quickly and it's going to take tens of millions of people. So I think that's a very compelling fear and reasonable fear uh, to have. And in a way, the zombie film that's the global thing like uh, World War Z um, is very much imagining the scenario that is perhaps not too far away. Just to cheer up your listeners. No, no, that's great. Well, I, I do want to correct one thing. I might be wrong here. I'm no biologist, but I don't know that penicillin has any effect on a virus because it's an antibacterial. Oh, an sure, yeah, sure, 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 yeah, um, yeah. So- I mean, I think I'm I'm talking about the kind of um, sense of control of those outbreaks through Just the pathogens medical, in general. Yeah, okay. medical okay. advances and, pa- and pathogens in general. Yeah, you're quite right. Well, um, but the this- reason why I brought it up is because it's interesting that you said that there's a pandemic every seven years and we've held it off with penicillin. And then I was thinking, okay, well, maybe he doesn't mean penicillin. Maybe there is another one. I've never heard that before. So, you know, it is it is terrifying that we would be on the cusp of, of, a, of a huge influenza outbreak. But I know people talk about the Spanish flu and there's a thing called totally, swine yeah. flu. So these ideas do exist. Um, mm. But that is kind of terrifying to think that that's just looming on the horizon. Yeah. I mean, we've got in, in um, the, the 
in hospitals in the UK, um, that's the worst place to be to get a particular virus, the MRSI virus, right, yep, yep. which is completely untreatable because yeah. uh, it's totally resistant to antibiotics uh, for the current set of antibiotics. And that they're kind of race to try and get uh, other stuff um, uh, based on different kind of materials to try and treat those viruses is very important. I mean, one of the really interesting examples uh, of late has been the Ebola outbreak in mm -hmm. Africa. Yeah. And in fact, um, you know, the, 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 the most dangerous element of um, the the illness is the dead body. Uh, and they have to kind of try and persuade people in Africa to not go through traditional uh, burial processes, which is very upsetting culturally, right. um, because they are these contaminating kind of forces and that the bodies are coming back to life. And actually, there was a huge kind of weird um, feedback effect when certain images from World War Z um, were doctored and were released as if bodies were coming back to life in Africa like zombies. Uh, and so the Ebola outbreak got really caught up in the representation of zombie culture itself. So you get this really weird feedback effect between wow. uh, represent, representations of viruses in zombie films and actually, you know, stuff that's happening on the ground. And the Wellcome Trust, the big, the big uh, medical trust in England, uh, who were really fighting to try and get together groups to to produce a new uh, vaccine, were fighting. Literally fighting zombies. I mean, it was amazing. Wow, I had never heard that or seen those pictures. Uh, I mean, it's amazing the types of stuff that we can do now. The technology to be able to fake videos and pictures is just uh, it, the the capabilities are astronomically better than they were, you know, sure. 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but that is very weird. That is a very weird phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's partly because, um, as you might remember, if you've seen World War Z, um, they ran out. They, it was such a catastrophe of a production. They ran out of money, uh, and by the end, uh, you went from you know the dazzling uh, brilliance of Korea to Israel, and then you ended up in Cardiff, uh, in Wales, and you had one zombie left, and that was a that, that was a black woman they used. Uh, in a kind of medical facility, kind of um, snapping away, snarling away behind this glass um, case, and that was the image that was then picked up in Africa. This sense uh, of they are, they have controlled and contained this one, you know, Ebola victim who has come back from the grave, uh, and they were having to, <laughs> they were having to release all these stories, saying, no, 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 it's a film, it's not true, you know, it's, don't, wow. don't believe these stories, don't go near the, you know, don't go near the dead. It's like, or the world. Man, it's like it's like yeah. Yeah, it's, I yeah. mean, really, mass panic, you know. Absolutely. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that is that's a that is crazy. Um, so one one other thing I want to get in closing here, which is kind of interesting that I, that I didn't know this at all. But when we talked about white zombie, this is totally. I know we're pivoting 180 degrees here, but uh, <laughs> but what's to go to go back to to white zombie, which I thought was really interesting, is that there was this kind of. Um, there were people who were there. Were, I believe it was. Let me see if I got the name right. There was dead men working in cane fields. Was documentary sure. footage. Uh, was put on Walter Futter's Curiosities, and okay. this there was this kind of when White Zombie came out. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe they may have used some of that footage. But there was, 
you can tell me how this kind of happened, but there was a disconnect between what the the quote unquote documentary footage was, because I believe you may have said that was even doctored. But this idea of like it being documentary footage to there being this type of zombie is very like you know, it's it's what what made Blair Witch such a great movie, this mockumentary kind of thing. Sure. Although that was done on purpose, we all, you know people you know is more like a marketing technique really. But back right. then, people really believed this was documentary footage. That must have been kind of amazing time to be in, to be able to see that movie <laughs> with that belief, right? Like, you don't get that anymore, you know? Right, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think most um, so, so most effective kind of horror um, films are based in that zone of hesitancy, right? So you're not quite sure. Could this be true? Is this true? I'm not quite sure about that. So, you know, Blair Witch was perfect for picking up early internet kind of, you know, people's credulity about about this because oh well there's a website it must be true right uh, no, that yeah, sense yeah. <laughs> of, of, of using that now in the 1930s white zombie is based on um an amazing book by a journalist called william seabrook who um he had an extraordinary life william seabrook and was a was a very very famous journalist at the time but he went to exotic places and he was paid um by a very wealthy um uh, aristocrat in France to go, for example, and join a cannibal cult in West Africa, um, and uh, you know, ate ate human flesh and was you know considered amazing. And then he was sent to Haiti uh, in the late 1920s uh, and was starting to collect this kind of mythology about voodoo and so on. And he said, "I keep hearing this word zombie," and uh, one of his guides just said, "Oh, sure, I'll, I'll introduce you to them." Um, and that's where the famous chapter that he wrote called um, Dead Men Working in Canefields came from. Uh, and he then kind of brought this back to America. There is uh, people like uh, Zora Neale Hurston took a photograph of what she believed was an actual zombie uh, in her research in Haiti as well and claimed that she'd been chased out of Haiti by um, secret voodoo societies and so on. So it was kind of it was kind of true or there was enough truth here that people weren't kind of sure what this was. And I think that sense of of our hesitancy about the status of these kind of monsters is really crucial to our um, shiver of delight. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it you know, it was kind of one of those accidental, you know, kind of, I mean, maybe it was on purpose. I don't know. But it was just, it sounds like it would just have been a really great time to be in. I, I mean, I remember seeing the commercials for Blair Witch and one of my friends was like, no, this is real. We got to see this. Yeah, really sure. Cool. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> And you know, and it, 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 I loved going into it like that. Like I didn't feel cheated at all when you when you find no, out, no. you know. Yeah. But but yeah. I love that, and that has, doesn't happen anymore. You know, like it doesn't. We, we've kind of explored the world to a point where these supernatural things are kind of, you know, maybe aliens, Bigfoot. Like you know, some people believe in that right. stuff. Maybe if if Bigfoot knocked on my front door or if an alien abducted me, like then maybe <laughs> I'd be terrified. There's no maybe I would be terrified. Um, yeah. But but you know now we're going into like science fiction and these fringe beliefs that kind of give us this terror because we've kind of explored the world and magic and yeah there is that there is that I mean I agree but I think there's always you know the t technology is the is the place that gives us the most anxiety because right. it's kind of it's it, we think of it magically right so I, mean, right, I don't yeah. know how how my smartphone works it's terrifying um, and actually there are lots of horror films about dark you know, mirror phones. yeah dark, dark mirror, I'm sorry I'm sorry is it black mirror black mirror I'm sorry. It's bad, Black yeah, Black Mirror Black stuff, Mirror. yeah, yeah. But then you know all of the um, um, Japanese horror stuff mm -hmm. about yep. Yep. Uh, computers and so on. So yep. we're right on the kind of cutting edge of that. And I think with 
the technology of what's called deep fake photography and moving image. Yep. I think we're about to be, you know, truly terrified actually about what we are doing to the very nature of reality itself. Right. So the photograph still has a kind of sense of it being an index of reality, even though we know it's the most manipulable kind of uh, form. But actually, if you've watched any of the deep fake stuff, I've been completely freaked out by that, you know, by by the sense in which can can that really be faked? Is that is that really not what's happening? Yeah. I can't believe it. I can't believe my eyes. Yeah. So that sort of sense of, of technology just kind of tilting beyond. I mean, the, the horror and the gothic always work best at the moments where technology accelerates. So that's yeah. why you get lots and lots of late Victorian stuff about electrical um, technologies. Yeah. yeah, Frank. well, Frankenstein, but also, you know, all of that weird stuff about telepathy and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, 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 and so on in the end of the 19th century. Yeah. Uh, all of that, you know, weird UFO stuff happening in the 1950s, 60s, 70s. You know, it's always about this kind of anxiety. And we're right in the middle of a completely bewildering um, digital revolution, which is producing, you know, lots and lots of kind of horror films itself. Well, I think if I can if I can outline it properly, I believe we are in a pre-critic, post-zombie, <laughs> uh, present digital horror film. If I could, if I'm correct, did, did I nail that? Yeah, that sounds good. Is yeah, that let, the let's pitch that. We'll pitch that one. We'll make a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I love it. Well, we, I mean, uh, on both sides, we only scratch the surface here on Zombies. Uh, it's a great book, Zombies, A Cultural History. Uh, I'm going to put links to how you get to that. Um, this has been absolutely incredible. Dr. Roger Luckhurst, thank you so much for taking so much time out for me today. Well, thank you for such great questions. A really interesting conversation. Thank you.